Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uptana, and today we'll be learning about the Akashic Mentor Grandma and how to work with her in the Akashics to unfold more of who you can be in this life now. Grandma is an Akashic mentor who lives beyond the Akashic city. Her rustic cabin is on a slope surrounded by woods. Her area is neat, clean, has vegetable and herb gardens, as well as flowers around the house and in pots on the large porch. The house is weathered but in good repair and well-maintained. There are pens in back for a pig and a goat and coops for chickens. Lines are strung between the trees, and laundry is hung there to dry in the morning sun. Everything smells of mulch and turned earth and green growing things. Grandma, when not attending to some task, sits in her chair on the porch, mending or quilting or knitting and enjoying the peace of her world. Her calm demeanor belies the amounts of effort she expends to create and maintain her life and all the things in it. She's the essence of quiet industry and a firm believer in using her own hands to create what she wants from life. She may choose to appear as any race or culture to fit her lesson, her student, or her mood. Oftentimes, students who come to work with Grandma are of the mindset that, having walked their path, healed their hurts to date, and put in the work to get there, they'll now sit at the feet of a teacher and have wisdom poured into them. Or they'll be sent on a quest to find themselves. The mention of this phrase has always caused her to shudder with distaste. If Grandma's teachings are to be distilled into a catchphrase, it would be build yourself. She has neither interest in nor patience for those who come wanting what she looks at as a handout or expecting to receive wisdom via lecture. Grandma teaches the first step to a spiritual life, which in Zen is to chop wood and carry water, and in ancient Greece was know thyself. It means taking a good, hard look at the narrative we've constructed about ourselves, which creates our identities, and see it in new ways which promote healing and possibly wisdom. This means being willing to do the necessary work to unlearn old behaviors, old ways of thinking, and to take on new ways of doing and new perspectives. It means challenging the concepts of, that's just the way I am, and it's always been this way, as well as that's just what happens, to see none of it is inevitable, fated, or predetermined. It means beginning the process of digging down to the essential self through self-examination. Examining the self is not the same as rehashing old stories, beating yourself up for past events, or excoriating yourself over old failings. The carpenter doesn't rail at fate when a nail bends under a hammer blow. He pulls the bent nail out, inspects the wood for damage or cracking, then gets another nail and goes back to work. A true craftsman goes even one step further. If his chisel slips and gouges the wood, if he scratches the wood's surface or his saw slips and splits the piece, 
He doesn't replace it or start over. He incorporates it into the work. The piece is made more beautiful for its uniqueness and the energy he's placed in it. This is best understood through the Japanese worldview of wabi-sabi, which values authenticity by understanding nothing lasts, nothing is ever finished, and nothing is perfect. It's important to look at your life today because what you'll be working with as the building blocks to build a new life is what you have on hand right now. Also, you can't know what's possible if you don't know what you're working with. Every task, every project starts with the material and tools on hand. So to start building yourself, you need to look at what you're starting with. Grandma is the teacher of how to do a thing. And the first task she usually gives students is look at your life right now. Without emotions, without judgment, and without labels, the student must look at their current life for these three things. First, purpose. Do the things you do have a purpose which is other than to kill time? Do the things you do make your life or someone else's life better in some way? Second is importance. In three days, three months, three years, 300 years, will what you're doing matter? Matter to you, to someone else, or to the planet? Third, self-respect. Does the life you lead build your self-esteem and self-respect? Can you be proud of what you've done? Do the actions you take today build you up or tear you down whether they end up being right or wrong, successes or mistakes? Most students who work with Grandma don't reach her via meditation or formal classwork. They find her through means as varied as their individual and unique spiritual paths. And many have not considered or invested time in self-review of this nature, so start from an unexamined place when working with her initially. While this isn't a bad way to do it, I personally recommend going through the self-review before going to work with her. It'll speed you through the preliminaries and allow your time with her to be more substantial and focused. One way to go through this process is to sort the activities in your daily life into categories, such as school, old habits, helps me cope, done for X purpose, work, pure joy, done because of X relationship, hopes for one day, children, grandchildren, and so on. Just setting up the categories can help you with self-evaluation. It can also help to look not at your current life in its entirety, which can be overwhelming, but at one day as an example of the typical actions you go through on a daily basis. You can use the planned to-do list for tomorrow or what you did last weekend and go through each action you took, putting them into the appropriate category. Then briefly look at them and see how many of grandma's three categories they fit into. You could even give them a point value, one, two, or three, for how many they check off. Remember, this is not about negative judgment or blaming or feeling bad about yourself. It's about the examined life. Because if you don't know yourself or are unwilling to look, then growth and healing are nearly impossible. And as you have free will, which is the most amazing gift, 
no one can force awareness, growth, or healing upon you. When working with Grandma, she may point out aspects of your self-image, your concept of self, where you feel you're waiting for something or doing something in expectation of a reward. It's common to think this way as we're repeatedly told the spiritual life will bring happiness, to follow your bliss and you'll achieve your dreams and everyone can have a fulfilling life. We're taught these things are owed to us and we look for the blocks which keep us from them as if they're a river which we've dammed up and we're on the wrong side of the dam. Release the blockage and all of this joy and bounty and fulfillment will come flooding to us. However, nothing is that simple. Happiness is not a state of being we can experience in the moment, but a word which sums up the culmination of a lifetime of experience in the same way the word tragic sums up a life or an event. Life is an active, class participation, 24-7 event which requires us to pay attention to it. For those who seek their spiritual path, Joy and contentment are a great part of the journey, but they take effort and are not the goal. So lay aside your expectations because the best part of the journey is experiencing the unexpected. Grandma will help you with this and point out where it is you can start digging in to build the true you. Something Grandma repeats often is, perfection isn't beautiful, real life is beautiful, and real life is never perfect. So don't strive for perfection. Strive to put intent and consciousness into your every action. Your life is your legacy and your gift to the world, whether you're doing something in your personal time, your professional time, or just getting from here to there. The tasks and actions you take may be mandated by others or by circumstances, but the care attention, and intention you do or don't put into those actions is completely up to you. In the end, regardless of why you did it, everything you do reflects on you and signals who you are. So choose to be and act as if you matter and what you do matters. Because it does. While modernity has changed family ties, relationships, communities, and even cultures leaving us feeling untethered, disconnected, and required to be self-reliant in new and many unhealthy ways, it hasn't changed the underlying fact we're all people. We are more similar than we're different, as social media, the internet, and global movements continue to prove. And regardless of our personal family of origin and family of choices status, we're bound together through linear time by the abiding truth We are descendants of the generations who came before us, and we are the ancestors of the generations which follow us. Each of us as individuals are connected to many others in a direct line, and so even though we may feel insignificant and just a cog in a larger sphere, what we do each day matters. Who we are, the choices we make, the actions we take or don't, flow out from us in waves which pulse through the web of life. When you look at life from this perspective, very little can be categorized as work versus play, work versus personal activities, or the world versus home. Everything becomes equal when you put this type of intention to it. 
All of it should give you the satisfaction of a job well done to the best of your abilities. Each act should make the world a bit better for your having done it, whether this means writing a report, taking out the trash, paying bills, picking up after the dog, or listening to the complaints of the neighbor next door. And if you can't find a way to be satisfied in doing the activity or can't find where the activity provides value, you should reconsider doing it. Another thing to consider is ugliness. We're taught to devalue ugly things and favor pretty things. This is used in marketing to sell us things we don't need and can't use. And it can cause us to misjudge situations, geography, people, animals, and plants because aesthetics don't equal value and are as variable as human cultural norms. To grandma, ugliness is a practical valuation of something which relates not to its visual qualities, but its usefulness or lack thereof. Something built to break, which is wasteful of resources, has limited uses, or is merely decorative without sentiment, is ugly, in grandma's opinion. Everything should have a purpose, even if it's just making us smile. And if possible, it should have multiple uses. And to show our appreciation and the value we place on this thing, we should care for it well, treat it respectfully, and even adorn it with efforts of our inspiration and skill. The object's utility married with our care and appreciation make them beautiful. For example, paint on a house keeps the rain out helps the siding last longer, but also decorates the house, making it beautiful and making us happy. The state of the paint reflects not on the house, but on us. The same can be said of a fence. Even if the materials are mismatched and weathered, the care with which it is constructed, the methods by which the pieces are fitted together and connected, the way it is maintained makes it not only useful, but beautiful. So everything you use or own or do can be beautiful and add beauty into the world. Beauty is not separate from utility, and the only limits to beauty are the boundaries of your imagination. It doesn't require great skill or artistic vision to hang pictures straight or finish the project that's been sitting around for two years or five or ten. It just takes effort and intention and attention to doing the work to the best of your ability. So, in ways grand and small, all of us can be artists adding beauty to all around us. To reach Grandma, go first to your Akashic room. From there, cross the room to the opposite door, set your intention to go to her cabin, and open the door. You'll see the path lay out in front of you. Walk up the hill until you reach her. Working with grandma is different from working with what Western culture calls teachers or what it defines as education. Grandma isn't confined by bureaucracy or time limitations or any kind of dogmatic structure. Her teaching methods are ancient and have nothing to do with lesson plans, rote memorization of facts, or sitting endlessly for hours. She uses whatever is at hand or best for teaching a concept or task and has no interest in lists or rules or straight lines unless they're connected to building things or rows of crops. So working with grandma may feel awkward at first until you get the hang of it. Here are some tips to get you started. First, 
don't interrupt whatever she's doing. When you arrive, go look for her. She could be anywhere on the property. Don't call her or yell for her as she'd deem it rude. She's usually on the front porch or in the back working or in the kitchen cooking. Once you've found her, step to where she can see you and either wait patiently for her to acknowledge you or start helping with whatever she's doing if you can. When she's ready, she'll acknowledge you. Like Mr. Miyagi in Karate Kid, she may teach you things through assigning a task, may have you talk to her while she works. She may tell you in an instructional tale or review the self-reflection you've done. Be patient, be open, and don't be surprised if her instructions seem odd or not to the point. They are pointed, just not yet clear to you as the student, which is all right. They'll become so in time. She can be direct if it's necessary, but is never unkind and works from a deep place of care and respect for all of her students. She's fair and even-handed and will work with you to help you learn who you are now and show you the opportunity you have for becoming the person you want to be and have always been. If you need help reaching Grandma or want to work with more Akashic mentors, I have a class which will guide you through called Finding Your Calling in the Akashics. I've put a link to it in the podcast description. And that's all the time we have this week. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can see all my other offerings and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Thanks. Bye.